So tomorrow, Molly and I are going to celebrate 13 years of marriage. We're pretty excited about that. Um, Yes, (laughs) I wasn't expecting applause, but wonderful. Uh, And shortly after we got married, uh, which... We got married January 13th in Fargo, North Dakota. It was negative 42 degrees that day. Uh, my my uh, groomsmen and our bridesmaids, they, they all loved uh, being brought to Fargo, North Dakota uh, during that time. But anyway, a few months later, uh, we had moved into a, a little apartment in Chicago. Uh, it was May, and Molly decided that it was time to throw a party, a party called Sutton Demai. Does anyone here know what Sutton Demai is? Yes, okay, I, of course, yes. We've, we've had this conversation in front of the whole congregation before, yes. Uh, so Sutton de Mai is the celebration of Norwegian Independence Day. And this is a big deal. It's a huge deal. And so what we did, what Molly did especially, is she decorated our apartment with Norwegian flags. Uh, she got uh, lots of Norwegian colors were everywhere. She made Norwegian food. We had lefse and krumkaka and lots of other amazing delicacies that were great. And then also during this party, we, we, played, um, we, we played like Norwegian trivia, which some of us did better than others, as you might imagine. And it was, it was an absolutely fun party. And as newlyweds, we were eager to show off some of the, the dishes that we had just received. Uh, so there were a lot of dishes to do after this party. It was a huge celebration. But during the party, I remember sitting on the couch with one of my buddies, uh, Eric Exley was his name, and we, we started kind of snickering a little bit. Uh, we started to get a little snarky about the festivities that were going on around us. Uh, we, we, at first, we kept this snark to ourselves, but then like junior high boys in the back of the classroom, our, our snark started to get a little bit out of control. And we were making fun of the celebration. And we're like, we're here in America. Like, why would we celebrate Norwegian Independence Day? You know, things like that. And uh, this, this, this I'm, I'm not proud to say, uh, but this actually went on for a little while during the party. Well, eventually the party ended. The guests all left. We did the dishes. And then my wife sat me down. And she had a little talk with me. <laughs> and she said, I am your wife. And she said, I do not deserve to be treated like that in front of our friends, or that way at all. She very much put me in my place. And she explained to me, I love my heritage. She says, my parents are Norwegian. My grandparents are Norwegian. We are proud Norwegian people. And she told me about the ways in which this impacted her upbringing. And she said, we are a hardworking people, and that is what we're celebrating today. Do you know what I said? Oh, <laughs> okay. This is a big light bulb that went off. I said, now I see it. And I saw my wife, I saw my bride, I saw my love in an entirely new light. Well, as far as the church, as far as the life in our church goes, the last few weeks have been an absolute whirlwind. I don't know if you feel that way. I certainly feel that way. Uh, last week after church, a lot of folks were sharing me, with me vacations and travels, and so you probably feel like it's been a whirlwind for you as well. So welcome back to church, I would say. But it's been a whirlwind. First, we, a couple weeks ago, we were in Advent. We were in a season of longing, a season of darkness, a season of mystery. A season when we sit next to the prophets and we look up into the sky and we say, where is God right now? 
Where is God? And then comes the 12-day feast of Christmas, which I hope you all feasted very well. We had chocolate on each one of the 12 days to commemorate, and to celebrate. But there it was, we celebrated Christmas. We celebrated the scandalous claim that we as Christians make that God is actually here, that he does not leave his people alone, that he dwells among us, even though the darkness at times can be powerful, even though the darkness at times can be violent, God still walks among us. So now what season are we in? Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up in a tradition that celebrated Epiphany. I, I, didn't, I had no idea what Epiphany is, so I'd like to take a minute to share a little bit about that. In Greek, the word Epiphany simply means to shine upon. It's an illumination of sorts. This is a season that actually began a few days ago, on January 6th, the 12th day after Christmas, And that's a day that commemorates the arrival of the wise men uh, to come and admire the Christ child. So today is the first Sunday after Epiphany. And for the next six weeks, we'll be in this season. We'll be in the season of Epiphany, a season in which we celebrate that the light of Christ is shining forth throughout all the nations. So that's why we'll have uh, songs about mission and the light going out across the world. You see, Epiphany is the application of Christmas. It's the unpacking of Christmas for six long weeks. Like the wise men who worked their way through the darkness, following a ray of hope, we now also get to discover that God is just getting started. He's just getting started. And this is a fun season, my friends. Evelyn Underhill, an Anglican philosopher, she said that the most used word in God's kingdom is going to be, oh, I see... Now I understand. When God's kingdom comes into our world, the light bulbs begin to go off. Christ himself makes himself known. And we say to ourselves, ah, that's what's going on. That's who you are. That's what you're doing. So when I married my wife, I didn't know the fullness of who she is. I thought I had her figured out. I thought I knew what I was getting into. (laughs) But there's more that I had to learn. There's more to fall in love with. There's more to be mystified with. And that's exactly what the message of Epiphany is. You might think you know Jesus, but you don't know everything about Jesus. God's kingdom is expanding, and God wants to surprise us. God wants to give you Epiphany moments. No matter how long you've walked with him, he still wants to give you insights into who he is. As we read from Isaiah this morning, the prophet, God says through his prophet, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and the new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I will tell you of them. So where are you still in the dark? Where are you still confused by God? Where are you at a loss or even angry at him? Those are the places that God wants to illuminate himself to you. Those are exactly the places where he wants to shine his light. Well, I love that our our text today, as you no doubt glean from the songs and the celebrations and the fact that there's baptismal elements up here, I love that the first uh, reading, the first lesson in this season of Epiphany is the baptism by John of Jesus Christ. Now, there's one reason why, one reason in particular that I like that this is the assigned reading for the day, is because John has his own epiphany moment in this story, doesn't he? So I invite you to open up to Matthew's uh, third chapter, which is on page eight in your bulletins. 
So here John, or Jesus comes to be baptized by John. Now don't forget who John the Baptist is. I mean, we had a couple readings of him in Advent. I hope we haven't forgotten who John the Baptist is. He's the culmination of the entire Old Testament prophets. He embodies that longing of the people of God, that longing that they had expressed for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years for God to come down and visit his people. That's what John wanted to see. John wanted to see the restoration of God's goodness and holiness. And John knew, John knew that God's coming was imminent. He knew that it was about to happen. It was just around the corner. And so John's job was to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. And so John gathered great crowds in the wilderness to come and and to give up evil ways, to prepare for the, the coming of the Messiah, to commit their lives to righteousness. And John was so eager for the Messiah to come. And he knows that it's Jesus. He knows that it's him. The Holy Spirit had revealed that to him. There's other passages we could turn to where John points to Jesus and says, that's the guy. That's who we're waiting for. Keep an eye out on him. That's our guy. So then, in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus comes, when Jesus approaches John in the river, I wonder what John was thinking in that moment. He's probably kind of bouncing in his, in his, shoe, or in his sandals, right? <laughs> He's like, this is game time. This is it. He's coming to the waters. Here we go. You can probably imagine John saying to Jesus, guess what? I have been preparing this whole crowd for you. Tell us what to do. Tell us what to say. Tell us where to go. Savior, Messiah, let's roll. Let's do this. Come on. You know, John was probably getting very excited. But what happens? Does an army begin to march? No. Jesus doesn't give any marching orders. Jesus asks to be baptized. Like, that's strange. And for John, that's, that's a problem. Like, he, he, he kind of takes issue with this. Because for John, baptism is, is a symbol of repentance. It's, it's a symbol of, of cleansing of sin. And so it's no uh, surprise that John says to Jesus, you don't need any preparation. Who am I to baptize you? Now, just to be clear, John is not uh, rebelling against Jesus here. This isn't any sort of... Um, Uh, massive failure on John's part. Jesus is very gentle when he deals with him. John is not ensnared by sin. He's not being a troublemaker here. He's he's just a little bit um, clueless. Like, he's a little clueless. He he doesn't have the full story, right? He's, He's in the dark a little bit, understandably. So if John the Baptist, who is the prophet of all prophets, the culmination of the Old Testament, the cousin of Jesus, if John the Baptist, who had known Jesus for a long time, needed to be corrected, then surely we, we do too, right? Surely we have moments in our lives where we need to be corrected by Jesus. It doesn't matter how long we followed him or how many degrees we have or how many hours we've clocked in service to the church, there will always, always be times for us to be gently corrected by our Lord Jesus Christ. There will always be time for illuminations. There will always be time for epiphanies. And this is good news. It's it's a sign that Jesus loves you. It's a sign that he wants to grow more in relationship with you. It's a sign that he doesn't give up on you, that he wants to see your full healing, your your full restoration. 
He wants you to know what he cares about. He wants to tell you what his purposes are, what his story is, the kingdom that he's unfolding. He wants you to know more about who he is. And so Jesus gently corrects John. He says to him, this is a fulfillment that needs to happen. This needs to happen, John. This is for the sake of righteousness. I'm following the orders of my Father in heaven. And just to be clear, Jesus is not being baptized because he himself had sin that washed away. No, the scriptures is very clear that Jesus was sinless. But Jesus is going ahead of us into those waters of baptism. I love what the church fathers say about this. They say that at Jesus' baptism, Jesus himself is washing the waters that will eventually wash us. Jesus is going ahead, going ahead of us, and he is sacramentally preparing and blessing the waters that we ourselves will enter into. And he's saying the water's warm. Come on in, is what Jesus is doing. You see, Jesus, God didn't come into our world just to be observed, just to be put up on to a statue for everyone to come and admire. No, the, the message of Epiphany is that Jesus comes to talk to us, to correct us, to give, her deeper in, to give us deeper insights into who he is. Epiphany is all about discovery. So my invitation to you during this season is to stay alert. Stay alert. Keep your eyes open. Expect surprises. Be on your guard for the voice of God to come. So a couple weeks ago, we had a really special time here in this room. A couple weeks ago, we had Testimony Sunday, where in place of a sermon, we asked you all to come forward and to, to share stories of the ways in which God has been moving in your lives. And it's always a bit of a risk for a pastor to do something like that. You don't really know what's going to be said. But it was a beautiful time. And, and I felt as if we had to cut the time short because people just kept on coming. And so for 20 minutes or so, many of you came forward and you shared stories of God illuminating your life, of God bringing his light and his life and his warmth into your lives. Children came up and they said, I love worshiping with my family here. They love singing to the Lord. One woman came up with tears in her eyes and she said, I almost tossed in the towel on this whole Christianity thing, but God has been moving in my life. One man stood up and said, three years ago, I was an atheist. I was angry all the time. I couldn't look people in the eyes, but God rescued me. And from now on, I'm, I'm filled with hope and with joy and happiness. Because God is an illuminating God. He moves in our lives. And, he, and so my charge to you is don't stop expecting that. Don't stop expecting that. That is what our Lord Jesus Christ wants to do over and over again. So there's a reason why Epiphany begins with a baptism. There's a reason why Epiphany begins with a baptism, and there's a lot of different directions we could go down about baptism, but there's one aspect that I want to pull out today. So before Jesus ever preached a sermon, before Jesus ever healed anyone, he comes to the waters. He comes here. He hasn't declared any message. He hasn't been um, telling people what he's about or healing people yet. In Matthew's Gospel, the first task of Jesus is to come to the waters. And as he comes up, the voice of the Father comes and speaks over him. This affirming, loving voice of the Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. That is a statement based off of who Jesus is, not based off of anything that he has done. 
And as, after this happens, what, the, what does this do? This then sets forth the rest of his ministry. This is the beginning of it all. The love of the, and my message to you all today is that the love of the Father, that same voice of the Father, is available to us all. Through the waters of baptism, all of us get to hear that same voice of the Father. So many of you in this room, or some of you in this room, haven't yet been baptized. And I want to invite you to consider this, to step forward, to come and enter into the waters of baptism. If not this Sunday, I've got good news for you. We already have another one in the works. I think it's going to be on Transfiguration Sunday, which is at the end of February. So if that sounds good to you, then please come forward. Let me know. Let's have a conversation. Because we would love for you to be received into the household of God. To have the church proclaim the the words of the Father over you. That you are his beloved. With you, he is well pleased to be grafted into the body of Christ, to receive his grace and his righteousness and his blessing and his home, come into the waters of baptism. But most of you here, I imagine, have already been baptized. Maybe that was a million years ago. Maybe that was last year. I don't know. Maybe your story has zigged and zagged a little bit. Maybe there's been highs and lows. But don't forget that the Father loves you. You have been claimed by the church. You have been claimed by Christ. You have a home. I've shared this quote before with you. Uh, Chuck uh, shared this with me. But Martin Luther, he, he talked about the Christian life. And he says that the Christian life, is, is the way that, that the Christian lives, is by crawling back through your past until you get to that moment of baptism and dwelling on that baptism. What, what our task is to do is to crawl through the noise, to crawl through the darkness, to crawl through all that garbage that we've accumulated up over the years until we hear that voice again, you are mine, you belong to me. And that is the project of Epiphany. That is the goal of Epiphany. That in this season, we allow that baptismal light, that warmth of Christ to shine into our lives and to remind us that we have been claimed as his and we belong to him. So please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the waters of baptism. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness, the grace, and the new life that we receive at the waters. Lord, I pray that for those of us who have already been baptized, may we remember that well. And Lord, for those who are about to be baptized, oh God, we are so excited. And we ask that um, they would be blessed this morning. Lord, move through this congregation throughout the season of Epiphany. Continue to drive away the darkness from our lives. Illuminate our hearts with your love, Lord Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.